here's Hollies to bowl to him. From the Vauxhall end, he bowls. Bradman goes back across his wicket and pushes the ball gently in the direction of the House of Houses of Parliament. No run, still 117 for one. Two slips, a silly mid-off and a forward short leg close to him as Hollies pitches the ball up slowly and he's bowled. Bradman bowled Hollies not. Cricket, a game of tradition and of iconic moments, such as that famous recording of the incomparable John Arnett describing the dismissal of Don Bradman in his final test match at the Oval in 1948, for no score. Had the Don scored just four runs, it would have given him a batting average of exactly 100, a feat that, that is unlikely to ever be bettered. Now, history and heritage is woven throughout the game of cricket, and despite all the attention given to super stadiums, spectator facilities, hospitality, media centres and the like, the focal point, the stage on which cricketing feats and dramas are played out, is a strip of grass just 22 yards long by 10 foot wide. A single patch of turf which is analysed, discussed, prodded and poked under intense national and international media glare. And unlike an artificial surface, the grass pitch is a living, breathing entity that changes in character over the course of a game that can span up to five days. Those charged with its care and upkeep come from a long line of sons of the soil. Indeed, many of the groundsmen and women pass through agricultural college on their way into the profession. But if we go way back, up until the mid-1800s, sheep mostly kept the playing areas and the outfield under control, with longer grass cut with a hand scythe. Then in 1830, a young textile engineer called Edwin Budding had a eureka moment. He was working on machines to shave the nap off guardsmen's uniforms when he came up with the idea of designing a cutting cylinder fixed to a chassis, incorporating a rear roller for cutting and smoothing the grass. Within two years, he had designed and sold the patent of a lawnmower to Ransoms of Ipswich and had, in turn, revolutionised playing facilities for cricket, golf, tennis, football and many other sports. The design of Budding's first lawnmower looks very much like the mowers of today. Initially, it had a cutting width of around 12 inches and had to be pushed with some effort, which did limit the size. As demand grew for larger machines, manufacturers looked to motorise the mower and the roller. In 1893, Leyland built a steam-powered lawnmower, and in 1902, Ransoms patented the first petrol-engined lawnmower. With grass-cutting equipment now freely available, cricket clubs in particular looked to other machines that would perfect the playing surfaces. A heavy roller, for instance, was required to complete the preparation of a cricket wicket, and early models were pulled by horse or human. Famously, for the test match played at the Oval in 1938, the groundsman, 
Bosser Martin, a giant of a man, used a near six foot in diameter four ton roller, uh, nicknamed Bosser's Pet, pulled by an army of helpers to roll the pitch into submission, which uh, resulted in England amassing over 900 runs in their first innings. Some years earlier, and seeing the manpower required, a small Somerset engineering company, the Automower Company, spotted an opportunity and built the first auto roller in 1921. That company was subsequently taken over by local farm machinery dealership T.H. White, before being acquired by the present manufacturer's Autoguide Equipment. Thus, the auto roller celebrated its centenary in 2021 and is today used at many of the world's leading cricket grounds. It is often seen on television preparing the pitch for prestigious matches or between innings in order to produce yet another great playing surface to showcase the skills of today's cricketing stars. I'm Chris Biddle, host of the Inside AgriTurf podcast, and I'm here at the headquarters of Autoguide, the manufacturers of the Autoroller. Company's headquarters and production buildings are located in a small village set in the glorious rolling Wiltshire countryside and reached by a long drive fringed with fertile farmland. All around are a collection of strange-looking machines that are used by electricity boards, phone and utility companies for drilling holes and planting and thumping long poles into the ground. And over there in the yard are a couple of auto-rollers being given a complete rework and a new finish before being returned to their owners. So I'm here with Richard Robinson, the founder and chairman of Autoguide Equipment. Richard had spent most of his life in the agricultural machinery industry, before using his engineering intuition, practical curiosity and skills to start the present company in 1977. Richard, many thanks. It's uh, great to be here. Uh, now, all around us is some fascinating kit. So tell me a bit more about Autoguide and, and indeed how you got into building the auto roller. idea is to try and make things that nobody else makes, uh, apart from mistakes, that is. Fortunately... David Scott of TH White offered us the uh, auto roller business when TH White Engineers closed down, and that fitted pretty well with all the other strange things we make uh, that are used in utilities, uh, some in agriculture, some in horticulture. So it all worked fine for us. After the First World War, uh, the Grice brothers, who had uh, I think a very small workshop in Norton St. Philip started putting engines on lawnmowers which had previously been pulled by ponies and they called those lawnmowers automowers, so a petrol engine mower. Subsequently they got into uh, wanting to design rollers and the uh, Sports Turf Institute and uh, the then automower company worked together uh, to produce the first ones. They were heavily dependent on cast iron from uh, Dennings of Chard and uh, JAP engines. That was a lovely combination that got them started and uh, set the standard that we try to stick to today. We were quite uh, excited because we thought TH White had done all the development necessary to get the auto roller into the uh, 20th century. So we 
started making the final version that they developed with power steering. Unfortunately, we found that um, some of the components, which were ones that they were using for other purposes, weren't really ideal for the auto roller. And so we had quite a lot of development to do uh, to get the machine reliable and quieter and uh, more appealing. I understand a number of your rollers go to overseas cricketing venues. So uh, tell me about your export market and also what the rollers cost. Uh, Yes, we do. Um, uh, Some volume goes to Australia and uh, before we took it on, they used to buy a lot. Now we get the occasional order for a container load. For instance, for Australia, we... um, bolt them together in a combination so that uh, you can fit uh, as many as six into a container. Uh, But they go to far-flung places as well, even as far afield as St Kilda, for instance. We make a three-foot roller and a four-foot roller. Um, Obviously, uh, cricket and rollers haven't really uh, adopted the metric system as yet. Uh, the current ones, uh, the four foot uh, is uh, about fifteen and a half thousand, and uh, the three foot is eleven thousand seven hundred pounds. And what would you say are the standout features and benefits of the auto roller? The rolls are fully machined, so uh, they're absolutely perfectly accurate. And uh, I remember going to Lords when they complained about the rolls not matching, and um, uh, fortunately, they're complaining about an old roller, not the current one. The use of the uh, two-cylinder Kubota water-cooled engines, known to be a bomb-proof engine throughout the world, uh, has been a great source of comfort to users because they withstand a lot of abuse. The hydraulic system, which is filled with biodegradable oil, the biggest problem with hydraulic oil on a cricket pitch, be it biodegradable or ordinary hydraulic oil, is the temperature of the oil and oil leaks. So we use very expensive hydraulic fittings, uh, which are called ORFS, uh, so that we can avoid leaks. And it's many years now since we had a report of an oil leak on a roller. The chassis itself is designed to contain any leak, but uh, nevertheless, you can't afford to have any hot oil falling on a first-class cricket wicket. No, indeed. Uh, an absolute no-no. Uh, so, Richard, um, is there a local cricket club that you can use to test the rollers before delivery? Uh, well, we don't have a whole wicket, but we do have a flat piece of grass on which every single roller we make is uh, driven and tested. But also we have um, a standard grass hill, if you will uh, like to look at it that way, Um, which makes sure that they can still clamber up a reasonable slope up to the point where the rolls spin um, so uh, we don't have to worry about hillside work on cricket pitches. Now these are beautifully engineered and mostly hand-built machines. Uh, For owners, what about the ongoing servicing that they might need? First of all, uh, most uh, cricket clubs will have uh, contracts with uh, their local lawnmower repair companies and there's nothing uh, complicated about an auto roller uh, which they can't cope with but we do have uh, a winter service program Uh, one of our engineers travels around and will check all the rollers over for you Uh, 
and fit genuine uh, auto roller spare parts to it. We also great care to listen to what users tell us about the rollers and see if we can make some improvements in, to our new machines. It's a sad fact that users will not uh, grease the rollers very often, uh, so we've taken great steps to eliminate the need for greasing on any major component that will normally last a year's work and not suffer too much with lack of lubrication. Now, I know the auto roller is designed and built to last, but what about clubs that uh, want to change a machine and maybe upgrade to a a newer model? Uh, Do you offer a part exchange? When we first got the business, we would take back virtually any roller, but uh, that caused more problems than we could cope with. Uh, But provided it's a genuine auto roller, we will always offer um, some part exchange Uh, value against a brand new one or um, as is sometimes the case uh, the roller comes in here for an upgrade the repower kit is a a new uh, Hatz diesel engine driving the hydrostatic transmission and in fact is built on a jig so uh, when it leaves our works here all of it is ready to drop into an old roller Basically, you might have to drill, say, half a dozen holes, not very big ones, discard the old engine, discard the old steering quadrant, uh, discard the old gearbox, and then fit our new repower box, our new kit. In England, people are usually happy to send their roller in here, and if we do the work here, the whole machine is stripped to the last nut and bolt, and every worn component is replaced or refurbished. The chassis is shot blasted and repainted, so they leave here in the near new condition as you can get. So 2021 was the centenary for the auto roller. Uh, Did you mark that with any uh, special occasions or special plans? Well, our uh, painters seem to like painting rollers in any colour the customer likes. Um, Some of the colours seem to give us um, uh, some problems, but nevertheless, uh, uh, colour is one of the customisations. This year, uh, many of the rollers have been given names, depending on uh, who thought of what. So it may be a name attributed to some... uh, relation of somebody in our works or one of our customers names so next time you see a motor roller on television at a test match venue painted in a vivid color and the name say doris on it uh, you can probably assume that the auto roller team have been let loose with the spray can during its centenary year now each auto roller takes the skilled engineers and craftsmen about five days to hand build and just like rolling itself It's a careful and measured process to ensure the highest quality and utmost reliability. As Richard said, we simply cannot have a roller malfunctioning whilst on the playing surface. So what about those who use and rely on the auto roller to produce the quality of pitches demanded by the modern game? I caught up recently with one of the best-known head groundsmen at a famous test match venue, someone whose craft is constantly under the spotlight and to whom the auto roller is an essential part of his maintenance equipment needed 
to achieve and maintain the highest playing conditions. I'm with uh, Gary Barwell, head groundsman at Edgebaston, home to the current county champions Warwickshire and of course the venue for many memorable test matches and one day internationals. Uh, Gary is a long-standing customer and was one of the first recipients of a specially painted gold auto roller in 2021. So Gary, many thanks. It's great to be with you. Uh, Tell me, how many auto rollers does the club have in use? Um, so we've got four now, of which two are at Edgbaston Stadium and two are at our practice venue for all second team academy cricket and second team and academy net facilities. So tell me about your pre-season rolling regime. Um, so pre-season rolling starts on around mid-February would be a fair average. We monitor and recall all our pre-season rolling and this is just on the main square as our rule of thumb weather dependent moisture levels dependent grass wise dependent um, all the things that come into account so what we generally do uh, we try and get the rolling done hopefully within a week so both rollers that we've got at Edgbaston obviously being exactly the same auto rollers uh, they'll go together Um, we don't do any very rarely do any pre-season rolling with heavier outfield mowers We, we just tend to use the we use the blotter occasionally, which is a super sopper. And then we, we use the two rollers without any water in, no ballast. And we start the Union Jack formation and they'll go on day after day. If there's no real, you know, ridging or, you know, marks of the square, then we'll start to add the water and more weight as we go on. And then hopefully, yeah, we, we probably like to hit it between the 25 to 35 hours in that week. If you think about two rollers going for six hours in a day, that's 12 hours worth of rolling just in one day. So people think it might be over a longer period of time, but it's it's generally done in in the week. Uh, and then the good thing is then you're giving the grass a chance to recover and then get healthier again after you've absolutely hit it quite hard with a heavy roller. You mentioned Union Jack rolling. Uh, can you tell me more? Some people do it from corner of one side of the square to corner of another. You can do it like a corner to the edge of the fourth pitch and go like that. Uh, but it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's different directions because if you think about it, you're constantly di- rolling with play during yeah. the season. It's to get a nice uniform angle on the, on the grass. And actually, if you think about it, we do 25 to 35 hours. We've got 24 pitches at Edgbaston. So technically, mm-hmm. if, you're, if you're rolling for... 35 hours actually one part that gets rolled doesn't actually get rolled it's just literally getting the compaction levels down putting a bit of moisture you know bringing a little bit of moisture to the top getting a bit of firmness for play and then we'll be working then on individual match pitches straight after those many hours of rolling pre-season is that something you and your team enjoy or do your guys tend to run from the hills when it's mentioned i think there's a there's a mix to it i think most people quite like it there's a difference in variation of people's how they do it i i like to listen to music or the radio because otherwise it could send you to sleep which isn't a very good thing when you're on a two and a half ton roller but no um nobody really runs for the hills it's more skillful than you think because actually you've got to keep in a complete straight line going at a slow speed forward and forwards okay but when you're coming back you can sort of go off on a little tangent and be rolling something different the only time it it gets a bit like people 
sort of run around not wanting to do it as if it's really cold <laughs> yeah. uh, and you get you've got your base layer on you've got your t-shirt on you've got your jumper on you've got your um, extra fleece on you've got your big puffer jacket on your woolly hat your snood and anything else <laughs> that can be found in the shed uh, I'm sure at some point there'll be a quilted blanket put over my knees but no it's it's one of those jobs that it's it's really important to do it properly and right you sort of think sometimes, oh, I'm just sitting on a roller going up and down, but the actual importance outweighs the, the, the actual other part of it, really, I suppose. Last year when we went into lockdown, we start, I started to do a bit of rolling because I was on my own for, for so many weeks. I read a uh, audio books, uh, was well read of, uh, I think it was the uh, Peter Crouch, How Not to Be a Footballer, which was very entertaining for a book that was good to listen to. But just things like that that keeps your mind active and, you know, it makes you think a little bit. Audio books is actually quite good. I, I do yeah. quite, I don't get a chance to read books anyway, not as I've ever been a big reader, but that's quite a nice way because you're concentrating and because you're sitting on a roller. And actually the trouble is sometimes, well, when you're in charge, you, you have a lot of thoughts going on and ideas. And you sometimes probably want to curb some of them ideas because they go a little bit mad at times, I think. So, uh, but no, it's, it's, a, it's a comfy, it's nice, but it's, it's very important. During a game, do the captains turn to you for advice on what, roller they should use and when firstly um warwickshire very good they generally will ask and so each captain now it's changed over the years you know we've we've had different rules and different rule changes in in a four-day game where in the test match you can have any roller in the morning you can choose a roller for seven minutes or seven and a half minutes and then um between innings you can have any roller you can choose what you want internationally so you could have a heavy roller in the vertical. I think it's worked out at about 49 minutes through the game through change of innings, you know, mornings and stuff. In county cricket, where actually I, I believe they've got it about right, they make it more tactical. Mm. So you, any captain can have the heavy roller once. If they feel it's going to flatten the pitch too much, they might not have it. And if they're up against it, you know, struggling to get a few runs, they might have it. So I actually think it's a very good way of doing it because it brings it tactically. The Warwickshire captain, Will Rhodes, at the moment, I think is 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 very good at how he uses it. Um, he will ask an opinion, but I think he'll also, because he opens the batting at times, have a a good good idea of what the pitch is doing, and he reads it very well. Um, some captains ask your opinion, and is basically what do you think? Can you say? And then they go, yeah, we'll do that. Mostly with the single one, it's become a bit more, like I say, tactical, and they they sort of know when they're going to do it. But still one or two don't really make, not say any effort to know the pitches, but the pitch is the pitch and they sort of just get on with it. I think it's also sometimes momentum of the team if they've batted really well on it. Right, let's bowl the team out now. So it's a very mixed. Some ask opinions, some don't. They all ask about the pitch quite often, whereas roller now is more what they've decided to, they know what they think it will do. And during the game, how much scrutiny are you under? We have a match referee per game. One of the match referees comes out, and I believe it's a, a very good system. And then they watch every ball, every decision, but they also mark the pitch on the criteria. It's very opinion-based. So we have it things like um, consistency of bounce. You have that. You have seam movements the same, um, carry and bounce, and the other one that's marked is spin. It's a hard system. There isn't a better one. I haven't got a better one. I think personally, you should just mark a pitch either satisfactory or unsatisfactory. Pitches should be different around the country. I think the element of going to somewhere and having it spinning, going somewhere else, having seen, going to a few places, a flat, adds a bit more 
energy to the game. The problem is with some of the English pitches and around the world, actually, they don't wear enough and they're quick no. enough. Uh, now, you could argue it's to do with the soils and the and the hard work that ground staff put in. You know, you could argue, like I say, we're doing a job too well, but it's a, it's a very interesting debate to have that of the wear. When do you flick that switch to say that it's going to wear dead on day three at three o'clock to start spinning? You know, quality for me, excellent games of cricket are played on good pitches, excellent players, brilliant players will perform brilliantly on it, whatever. That's where I look at it. Just try your best to produce the best pitch. So people come walking through the turnstiles and they know that the pitch is offering maybe a bit for the bat, a bit for the bowlers. It's nice enough to score runs on. We we pride ourselves at Edgbaston and a lot of the guys around the country do that if you get a hundred, you've worked hard, but yeah. you've batted well. Um, if you get five wickets, you've earned them yourself, but there's enough there in the pitch to just give you a bit of carry. And that's what it should be, really. And lastly, Gary, um, you've got four auto rollers. Uh, what do you think of them? What features do you really enjoy? I think it's comfy. It's a nice roller. It's easy to drive. Just a genuinely good roller. The the you know the the beveled ev- edges of the of the actual roller are very good because when you you know you you're rolling, although it will crease, um, it won't crease as badly. You know, it's just just easy to use. I mean, to be honest, yeah. you switch it on, start and roll it out. <laughs> So there you are. What better testimony than to switch it on, sit in comfort and roll it out. Now, this podcast is being completed just after England have been trounced by Australia in the ashes, after which naturally the recriminations start. Better pitches, say many of the pundits. But as you've heard from Gary, you need the right balance between bat and ball. Excellent players, he says, will always adapt in order to prosper in pitches up and down the land and overseas. A cricket pitch is a living, breathing, plain surface and often prepared in highly changeable conditions. On December the 31st, just gone, a record temperature of 16.5 centigrade was recorded in North Wales, when indeed a lawnmower would have been more use than a snowplough. Contrast that with the first championship match played at Edgbaston in 2013, when the players and umpires walked out onto the field through piles of snow. Uh, You heard from Gary how many hours he spends in the cold of the winter months laying the foundations for a long season ahead when weather conditions are way outside his control. And you know, British groundsmen across the sporting scene are professional to their fingertips and their skills highly sought after. And for the most part, they use British-designed and manufactured lawnmowers and turf machinery, like the Autorola, which itself has been around for 100 years. Its logo a familiar sight to cricketers and cricket followers keen to see how it is likely to be used as a tactical tool in the professional game, as well as preparing high-quality playing surfaces in the club and recreational game. So I'm Chris Biddle. I've been your host for this special edition of the Inside AgriTurf podcast, which has been produced on behalf of AutoGuard Limited, manufacturers of the Auto Roller. And for further information, go to www.cricketrollers, or one word, .co.uk. That's www.cricketrollers.co.uk.